What's up? Welcome to a, another new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 330. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Did, did you say something, Ronald? Yeah, Ronald. Yeah, you got quiet. We got real like, quiet, man. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, I saw your lips moving, but I was like, did my ears blink and I missed it? Or That's so what weird. happened? You I'm know, the sorry. way Zoom cuts out sometimes, it was yeah. like it was like it, it dipped on you right when you said Enron. It's oh. so weird. But you don't that sound bad weird. now. I'm it's sorry. like, I know who you are, but if someone yeah. was watching yeah. this on our YouTube channel, they'd be like, who was that guy? Because yeah. it probably rhymes with John, but I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. That sucks. Or, or, or they could be listening on the old-fashioned audio-only version of the show. Yeah. And this in that true. case, uh, they might not notice a difference because yeah. I would be jacking the levels. But, I, but I'm saying whatever was there. Even if you jacked it, it wouldn't. Yeah, sound it good. is what it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you to people who watched last week. We we almost got, I think, right at this point, two hundred watches, two hundred views. We should call them watches. Week. I think that's the better term. Yeah. yeah, just like a pile we're hip. of we're super watches. cool with the YouTube <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, so like yeah. watches, uh, watches. For using yeah, that, that does sound watch. like what is it? Variety that has all the crazy <laughs> speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like watches would be instead of instead of views. <laughs> that's that's yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it probably means you tagged it well, Ronald. So I'm going to tip my hat, my my virtual hat been, or my imaginary hat to you. So, so the advice that I've been getting is simplified. You make whatever the main subject is the title, and then everything else will be in the the artwork. So that seems to be the move. You don't want to cool. call it well, Cosby Schmosby? You don't think that would have been smart? <laughs> Uh, and thank you for the the listener who has just given us their extended opinion on Cosby and in, in both the clip and the full version. Thank you. We 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 welcome all opinions. This seems to be a person who's searching for the word Cosby and leaving that comment on every oh, he, video yeah, that comes sorry. up. I think so. Copy yeah. paste. Right. <laughs> but I'm good with it. I'm good yeah. with it. Yeah, man. Hey, engagement. That's what they. That's what. They Hell say, yeah. Right? Hell yeah. And and just imagine if someone actually engages with them, how exciting that will be. <laughs> right. <laughs> I As have I create my anonymous YouTube account. <laughs> right, right. There will there will soon be another comment on the video, Ronald, I promise you. That's exciting. Uh, uh so yeah, today's gonna be kind of like a I don't know, catch up, a mix mix match, I don't know, uh mix and match uh episode. We're kind of got a couple things going here. Um we're gonna circle back to a, a movie that came back came out around the holidays that I think Ronald saw, but I finally saw after it came on to Disney plus uh, and that's in Kanto. And then Ronald and John are going to talk a little bit about nightmare alley. Ronald's going to tell us what he thought of house of Gucci and I don't know, a couple other little things we're going to pepper throughout the episode. Uh, but before we get to those conversations, there's a couple of news items and trailers that came out over the last week that uh, I think uh, we wanted to kind of bring up and kind of just bounce off of one another. What, uh, What's kind of struck your fancy this past week, Ronald? What What's the one you want to bring up? Halo. Halo. Paramount Plus is Halo. Uh, the video game turned TV show Halo, which people thought was purchased in the Bungie thing, which is yeah. not true because Bungie yeah. actually made the, the, the first iteration of Halo and then 434 Studios took it over. So they own that. So they didn't get it in the... Oh, wow. The acquisition that Sony did. So, so there's a lot yeah. of video game wars that are actually going to start affecting TV at some point. We'll we'll talk about that once it all unfolds. But <laughs> Halo is on Paramount Plus in all its sci-fi glory. And I mean, I got to be honest, like, you know, I don't know what I expected it to look like, 
But if there were to be a TV version of Master Chief, this would be it. It's it's it literally is a shot for shot sort of thing. Like the the outfits look the same, the monsters look the same, the weapons are the same, the vehicles look the same. It's a pretty cool adaptation if you're a fan of Halo or even interested. If you've even seen a commercial, you've been interested. No, I'm raising my hand. What's going on? <laughs> I, no, I have a question. I have a question. Sure. Because this is a safe space. Tell me in two sentences what Halo is about. Halo is about a gentleman named Master Chief that <laughs> is essentially, yeah, he's essentially like a android that was sent to pretty much uh, help uh, this democracy of this planet. You know, there's like, it, there's this takeover that's happening and they send Master Chief to kick some ass. But the okay. thing is, Master Chief's starting to kind of become aware that he is a weapon of this organization. And okay. that kind of plays into uh, some of his uh, conflict. But it's it's a good show. I mean, I mean it's a good story. Honestly, yeah. some people just watch the cutscenes as a right. movie because and they're so I, I, well done. I feel like that's been my exposure to anything having to do with Halo. Like, I, I again, not a gamer. Yeah. Fell out of that fell out of that like decades ago uh and but it's like one of those titles like when you you will always hear these conversations about uh video game adaptations whether it's to the big screen or television yeah. now like this is you know as an example of that like um it's one of the two or three that you always hear uh talking about is in terms of like it needing to be done getting it done right you know it being like ip we talk about that like really who wants this, who can have it, who can make it work. And it's kind of crazy, you know, like I don't have much awareness of it, but I have seen a lot of the cutscenes, like whether it's through YouTube videos, I've just kind of come upon or some other podcasts or like, you know, video podcasts that I watch um, that, that have talked about the, the, the show. And then finally seeing the trailer that I think it aired during one of the playoff games this weekend, or at least the, the partial teaser of it uh, did. And, you know, it looks cool. I mean, it looks interesting. It looks like kind of what I expected it to look like. And like you said, it looks like the game. Um, so, you know, if the story's there in the game, which I don't know, but it seems like, you know, you're, you you kind of are vouching for that having, you know, been there in the game. Um, it, it's very exciting to see something like that maybe come to a big epic series kind of thing, especially, you know, Paramount Plus, which needs more really flagship content. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's it's always been one of those ones that's like, and I don't yeah. even know the scope of it comparing to one another, but like that and now Uncharted's coming out this year and then, you know, The Last of Us is coming out probably later yeah. this year and like all these big titles that have been like waiting a long time to get adapted. Um, and a huge Arcane. one that people didn't even know was a video game. Arcane. Right. Arcane right. Yeah, is, a, Netflix, is a yeah. smash hit and people don't even know it's based on a video game, which is even yeah. cooler. So yeah. that's I think we kind of get into that mode where like things are going to come out and if it's done well enough, you won't even know that it's based on something, which is pretty damn cool. Man. Right. Yeah. Think, so. Speaking of things coming out, like too many, possibly before yeah. we recorded, I had mentioned to you guys, I'd asked you guys, like, did you see the the teaser for, uh, again, Paramount's Paramount Plus's uh, The Offer starring mm -hmm. Miles Teller, what Matthew Good, uh Oh, Giovanni Verbisi's in it. I don't know. A pretty big, awesome cast. About don't forget, making... you've got to say his name. If if you get a chance to say Burn Gorman, you have to say oh. Burn Gorman. 
Well, you just did, so thank you. I did. I did. I just Um, just lived it up on that one. But yeah, this has been a pretty big talked about series for them, and it's you know about the days before or and or the making of the Godfather. Mm -hmm. But um, you know something that's kind of been in the news a little bit over the last year or so due to some COVID stuff, like on the set having to be shut down, and um, it's finally coming out. They finally released a teaser for it this weekend or this past week. Um, John, you saw it, right? Yeah, you saw it too, Ronald, right? Yeah. The teaser. What did you guys think of this teaser? Like, did you did you know this was coming at all? Oh, <laughs> I I no. Know. No, in fact, it not, was des- not me either. For the audio listeners, I shook my head. Yeah. It was described. This is this is how bad it is. It was described to me as a Godfather prequel. I look at oh, wow. I look at it as the making of the no. movie. Guess again, you know, warmer. <laughs> no, I, I so, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean it looks like a fun, fast paced kind of prestige thing. I, I, I think I would feel a lot more interested in it if it were a movie and not a series. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how much story there is there, but there may be plenty. Um, you might have said the same thing about Pam and Tommy, and I feel like even though it does get a little long at its full length, you can argue that there's a stuff you, you can do with that as a show that you can't delve into in a movie. So, right. you know, but I think with the cast and with the, the subject matter and, you know, it, I think it looks... Like it, again, it looked like it will be fun to see how they pull off some of these larger than life characters that we've heard all this kind of Hollywood lore about. Um, and right. uh, you know, I don't know how grounded it's going to be, but I guess it's, I have the same question about Pam and Tommy and anything else like that. It's like I don't know how much of this is based on truth and how much of this is like clever screenwriters kind of having a meal uh, off mm-hmm. of off of what facts we have. But the but yeah. the cast and the roles they're playing, it's fun to see. Like for instance, is that um. Is, that, is it Jake Fogler? Is that his name? Dan Fogler. Dan Fogelman. Yeah. It's Dan Fogler, right? Fogler, yeah. Okay. What is the other guy's name who I always think he's a, more of a Disney guy? Um, I always get those two guys confused. Dan Fogler and the guy who does the voice of Olaf. In my in my mind, oh, Josh get, Gad. Yeah, I get them confused Josh sometimes. Gad. But Dan Fogler looks like he's going to be having fun playing Francis Ford Coppola, and that that right there feels like it might be reason enough to watch at least right. an episode. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but are you applying that maybe? They're kind of trying to sneak this one past us because the buzz is not so great, or maybe they don't. They aren't too sure it's, about it. Or <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like I feel like I feel like this is a big show for them, and okay, uh, you know, a show that you know had a lot going on around it, uh, both you know in casting and um, you know this is also the one that I want to say initially Army Hammer was a part of. Oh, no. um, and he was Dios mio. the Miles Teller. Right. Yeah, yeah, he was he was supposed to be uh, the Miles Teller. Uh, um, what's it? Al Ruddy. Uh, he's supposed to be that character, the producer of The Godfather. And, uh, you know, with his whole situation, he was removed and then Miles Teller was cast. So there's been a lot of whether it's good or bad press around it. It's been going around for a long time. And it's a big show for Paramount Plus, and it's kind of weird because it's a legacy franchise. You know, it's a legacy I- title that's in their catalog. And what kind of stood out to me about the teaser was like really not until like the final like couple seconds of it are you really kind of understanding that it's about having anything to do with The Godfather. Right. And it seems like you know there, it seems like the trailer, the teaser, and maybe a new one will come out that's a little better cut. Maybe um, you know, kind of has more uh direct like you know we're gonna write the godfather like not to be obvious but like i feel like you need to do more than just have the theme 
and like the, 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 the book's title treatment, you know what I mean? Like for an audience to understand it or to try to entice an audience that maybe doesn't pick the theme up or understand, you know, just showing a cut of the book is, is telling us that this is a story about the production of the movie. You know, I think it looks more of like a mob crime type thing than like a Hollywood, how did it, how did it happen type thing, which I've read, it's kind of like a mashup of the two, but it's, um, it's something that I'm really interested in watching. I mean, obviously, you know, I love the, I love the Godfather films and for the most part, I'm really into the whole cast and, uh, and they look really interesting and I'm sure that the performances are going to be really good, but it's just a weird teaser for me that, you know, it just doesn't really promote that idea that this is the show about the making of the Godfather. Uh, and that's a big, like, drum I would be banging if I was, like, trying to promote this show that two out of three members of this podcast didn't even know about. Right. Uh, it's that's a That seems like a miss <laughs> for Paramount, right. who needs, uh, you know, a win right now. Right. When, when I've seen, like, and, and not to say anything about this, I know people are saying positive things about the Saved by the Bell reboot, but I've seen, right. like, copious amounts of advertising for the Saved right. by the Bell reboot, and I haven't even been... I don't even feel like I'm a person who sees that much advertising that I don't seek out, you know? <laughs> you know? So the fact that, right, it wasn't even on the radar. Like, t- I think today or yesterday, I saw some article about Miles Teller's, you know, that had a picture of Miles Teller that was about this, and the name didn't right. mean anything to me. Now, of course, in reference to The Godfather, the name The Offer means something. But just on right. paper or on, you know, on a web screen, uh, that's what you call your computer, right? A web screen. Um, <laughs> it, it was just the it was just the name web the offer and watches. We're what, really yeah. <laughs> a, a, a vocabulary here today. But I mean, like, I just was like, oh, okay, I'll check that out. Anything that people are talking about, I'm always like, I'll check that out at some point. But yeah, this was something that the, the, the it didn't mean anything to me when I saw that there was news about the offer. So right, now that right. I've seen the trailer, when is it coming out? It's in February. I want to say it's February, like this, like this month. What, is it February or April? I, I honestly, I'm not sure to be honest with you. Uh, so, some, oh. something's February 27th. Okay, it's, it's not this though. I think this is actually end of April. When is what Atlanta are, coming? I know that's soon. March. That looks great. Did you see the trailer for that? I've seen a couple things. So I've seen the trailer. Donald's also doing stuff. So I've seen like a couple. I've I've watched it all is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I've watched But that that long trailer that shows a lot of like clips of them yeah. obviously on tour in Europe is what it looks like. Well, it just looks insane. It just looks great, you know. Something like, we're doing in the future is going to have it accessible for us. So that will be That's a win. That's not like an angry fist. I, I <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a winning fist. Um go ahead. So I was going to say something about the offer. So I watch a ton of like other podcasts and other, you know, a lot of people that get a lot more access than we have. And I've noticed something, man, there is an inherent bias about things that just aren't Netflix or Hulu. They I'm I, literally sometimes when it comes up, they'll say like, I, you know, I don't, nobody watches that. So we're not going to talk about it. Oh, wow. Which is strange because that's the point of what we do, right? Like we're right. supposed to, right. uh, you know, lift a rock to show somebody something that they haven't necessarily had access to. So it's like, I've always feel like we get, we need to do both things equally. If we, if we're doing it right, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be talking about that big new thing that people are talking about, but we'll also be as excited about something that isn't being talked about, you know? So it's weird to say like, that's not popular enough for us to talk hear, about. <laughs> I hear so much, man. I hear so much and it's, you know, 
we're one of the few, I mean, this is a weird thing to say it like this, but we're like one of the few outlets that really comes at shows with a pretty open mind because it, it's not like that everywhere. Most places it's not. So we're just undiscerning enough that we, we receive everything <laughs> equally. Is- <laughs> right. I think it's payola, man. We're getting nothing under the table. For yeah, that's it, true. You know? We're pure. <laughs> we're pure. It's all for the love of the game. So lack mm. of success has kept us pure. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, you know, uh, I, well, while we're talking about Paramount plus in particular, um, the, um, the thing that was just announced, the Bob Odenkirk, uh, David Cross series called Guru Nation, uh, the, the, the logline that's very tantalizing is uh, they play rival cult gurus manipulating the minds of their deluded followers. That, and that's, you know, those two guys doing that, all right, I'm already hooked. It's going to be directed by Jason Walliner, who did Borat 2, as well as a bunch of your favorite television shows. Just look at what he's worked on, and he's, he, you know, he's directed an episode of Something You Love. Um, and I think they're co-creating it with Bill Odenkirk, Bob's brother, who has been a, you know, Simpsons and Futurama writer. So it, this is a pretty good comedy pedigree for a show that sounds like a very rich concept. Like, we're still close enough to all those cult documentaries from just a couple of years ago that I could see I could see those two guys having a lot of fun kind of, you know, p- putting on that kind of narcissistic uh, character. And it says it's a documentary style. So I guess it will either be like a, a mockumentary straight up style or maybe just in that Parks and Rec slash office, whatever, modern family kind of style of documentary comedy but anyway this sounds great i mean that's a every now and then you'll hear one of these projects that gets announced and then a couple years later nothing's happened with it and you you find out it died right this could be one of those but it also could be one that we're having a lot of fun with in just a year or so so and also it sounds like bob odenkirk is back at it full time if he's doing that developing a a series for after saul so let's just hope continued uh good health and recovery to to our favorite odenkirks sorry bill definitely I was going to say oh. something when you were mentioning like Ronald's Ronald talking about like people's like kind of reaction to anything that's not like Netflix or, or so what much, did you say? Man. Netflix or what? Hulu. 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 It's funny you say that. Cause like I was listening to an interview or reading an interview with Jason Kalar, who's like the Warner media CEO, or at least for now. And uh, he was basically talking about like how, you know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, how like Netflix is stock dropping because of their, you know, their earnings report kind of coming in under expectations that like, you know, the rea- he was kind of feeling like the reaction was like overreaction because like the reality of like what these platforms are for the future are like he finds to be undervalued, you know, in terms of stock prices. But he kind of went on this com- this kind of rant, which I found really interesting about all of the different platforms, all the different streaming services and that like eventually how some will fall and it's it could happen sooner than later based on like what they do with subscriber counts and programming and things like that. But um, he was basically saying, which I think I actually totally agree with, you know, that the reality is that there's really going to be a big three, just like there were a big three network, you know, like you had NBC, CBS and ABC and now you have he says, and I kind of agree again, is Netflix, Disney Plus, and HBO Max. And, you know, Hulu probably floats in there too, but Hulu being owned by Disney, yeah. like there's going to be something that happens, I think, in the probably near future where Hulu becomes some sort of like automatic bundle or some kind of, you know, it, it kind of ties together with Disney Plus in some way, mm-hmm. uh, eventually, maybe. But it is an interesting topic because, you know, how people gravitate towards the streaming services, much like 
you know, we probably, we have subscriptions to so many of them, you mm-hmm. know, because like we watch so much content personally and, and for this podcast, but um, you know, the average person that, you know, watch the watches 1.2 movies a year in the theater or whatever that stat is you know like that translates to like how many subscription services they have because they really do try to benefit from the idea of it being over the top and not having to have some crazy cable bill mm-hmm. but yeah. you know you have the other side you know they're kind of in the middle where like they have one two three maybe and you know we have five six maybe you know like and then there's some that don't have any it's a little less frequent these days because of especially because of covid but it, it will be interesting because you you do have those conversations with people that you mentioned, Ronald, like, and it is interesting to be like, you know, oh, it's not on Netflix. Uh, I mean, I probably won't check it out or, right. it's, you it's know, a- like I got, I got Disney plus because my kids love it. Is, is it, is that star Wars thing on there? It's like, yeah, you know, oh, cool. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, there's yeah. like a gateway to the top three in some way. I find that Apple TV Plus is oddly out in the cold too, which is weird yes. when you consider the it content really they have, the production value, the the style of it, and there's three or four things on there that I genuinely love or or I'm hooked on at least. Yeah. So it's weird when it's it's like I noticed that how strange that is. The way this manifests for me is like someone the other day I said something about servant and someone said, "Oh, I love servant." Is that back? And I was like, "Yeah." And they said, "Oh my god." And I was like, "Why is this so strange?" And I was like, "Oh, because no one ever fucking talks about servant." Yeah. <laughs> and yep. no one ever talks about, you know, the, the, even the shrink next door. There were, you know, different things that you would think would get a little more buzz uh, if they were on something like Hulu. Um but I actually think there's almost an Apple TV Plus kind of style of thing. I haven't quite decided what I think that is yet, I but I think like they do bring something to it. The fact that it's such a closed loop and it's like whatever development is happening is happening within like the halls of the executives and the creative people working on the show. There's not really a feedback loop with right. fans or an audience of any kind, you know. And I know a lot of these yeah. shows are in their first season, so of course not. But I'm saying even beyond that, it really feels like uh, I think we used to say this about Netflix too, in a different way. But it was like, oh, they're in a content creation phase. That right now, Apple TV Plus is is creating library. It's creating stuff so that when you eventually do get hooked into their service, there's all this you know stuff that looks great that's sitting yeah. there. But but the 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 shortfall is that like these shows feel like they don't exist. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah, they also haven't told everybody that Apple TV is everywhere. That's what yeah. people also don't understand. There has to be a campaign that says you want to watch Apple TV stuff. You want to look at your Apple purchase things. Did you know that if you don't have an Apple device, you, you can, can start purchasing things in this environment? Like you could still yeah. purchase iTunes things and they will be accessible from a PlayStation, an Xbox. People have no idea. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. think they think they have to change their whole ecosystem in order to yeah. get into if they hear the word Absolutely. Apple and they just yes. go, okay. No, yeah. thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is, man. It's it strange. It's wild. Hmm. To check out, I sent you guys a, a screenshot of a, a tweet that I was talking, like kind of kind of sort of alluding to with the Jason Kalar conversation that yeah. came across it after his interview I read. But like, it's kind of breaking down, um, you know, the different platforms and kind of what their MO is, you know, in terms of where they're at right now. And, you know, basically like saying like Netflix is volume versatility HBO max is depth variety and storytelling Disney plus is franchise IP and library prime video library aggressive ambition Hulu targeted focus next day airings 
Apple TV Plus quality, consistency, and star power, which is mm-hmm. spot on, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Paramount Plus and Peacock, both library and sports. And that really does feel like what people are gravitating towards these services for. As a true crime junkie, I think you have to add Dateline to Peacock. You have to just say Dateline. They've got like 30 <laughs> seasons of, of murder on there for you. But <clears throat> Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's like these kind of things float a bit. And I think that, you know, the mass thing that we're describing in terms of like the most, co- the, the uh, you know, the common denominator of all of these things is, is always, I, I feel like is always Netflix or more recently, I think, you know, Disney Plus and I think HBO Max is like kind of like a silent killer right now. Like they're yeah. really growing and like their content, their their original programming too is like really consistently good too. And um, I don't know, something to watch for sure, but it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this this uh, this pool of options kind of thins out over the next two to three years because I think yeah. that some, some are going to drop off. I mean, I don't doubt that the aggressive ambition that's being attributed to Amazon Prime Video is like true, but I feel like I get, when I flip through the services, that's the one where I'm the most likely to flip around and not choose anything and then go to one of the other services. Like I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just be looking at what's the latest thing and I go to Hulu and it's like, okay, it knows that we watch you know, Saturday Night Live or whatever. And so I'll, right. there's a new episode. So, you know, Hulu's pretty... Okay, here's the here's the next episode of the stuff we've been watching. Sure. Okay, Netflix, whatever. Netflix, it can be hard to find things, but we all know if we scroll through most of the menus, the you know the top ten of them, you'll find something <laughs> that you like. But Amazon Prime, it's like I almost never watch their programming or even have. I don't. I guess what I'm saying is yeah. I don't emerge with much of a sense of what they represent. I do think something like the Lord of the Rings series that's coming, it could kind of put them on the map in terms of numbers, but it'll be sort of like. I don't know, like when I think it was Mandalorian that was the first big like jewel in the crown of Disney Plus as far as like franchise stuff. I feel like, you know, people will be talking about it's like when people signed up for HBO so they could watch Game of Thrones new season or something. I don't know. I don't know if Lord of the Rings is going to give Amazon an identity because they've been spending so many hundreds of millions and so much time on this thing. It can't be that all their programming is reflected by that, you know? So, so, so what do you guys think? I mean, I know they've had original series that have been well-regarded or like the tick or something like that. That's kind of entertaining and people like it, but it's not like you get a sense of what that name means in terms of the sort of shows they make, or am I wrong? I mean, it actually has nothing to do to me with the content and everything to do with that terrible interface. Mm. And the moment that they change that, I think it'll really affect the way that they get viewership. Like it is unreal how terrible it looks. It feels like um, um, remember when Netflix first started? Or when you watch Netflix. I was going to say that. The first streaming version of Netflix that had these really awkward buttons that just didn't look like it was going to work at all, you know? Or when you watch (laughs) Netflix on on an old smart TV. Mm -hmm. That's like a... It's like blocky and the suggestions aren't good. And sometimes when you're trying to... (laughs) Literally trying to continue a show that you've already watched, it doesn't show up the way that it should. doesn't remember, right. Yeah, it's crazy. But thanks to like that's the crazy part about like i guess people that have like roku's and apple tvs with the apple tv interface anything i watch in amazon will show like you know i've watched the sixth episode seventh episode show up and i hear that roku has a very similar system so that's the only way i'm able to track anything on amazon that i've ever watched 
anything beyond within the damn app is is awful. And I've kind of feel the same way on Netflix. Like I I get lost on Netflix. I get things. I'll look at something back out of it and never be able to find it again. And if I don't remember the name of it, I'm done. I'm like, fuck it. Then I'm, what, it's a Korean show. With what happened? A, a zombie. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of it and I can't find it. And I'm like, right. Oh, and you're like, I just watched the first two episodes. Now, the funny it. thing is, I think you're right about the interface on Netflix being kind of clunky. I think when I say we've all gotten used to Netflix, it's just like, I at least know there's there's like 10 things that I, that I want to see that are on Netflix. And so like when new Ozark is out, it was not anywhere in the top. I mean, it was, I had to put in a search for, it. I was shocked, but then within a couple of days, it was in the like trending or whatever, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is I knew I was going to watch those. I knew Ozark. I knew when it was coming out. I know that's a Netflix show. I don't have that sense of anything on Amazon Prime, you know. So so maybe maybe the interface, I do think it feels, it almost feels like it's an extension of shopping on Amazon. You know, it doesn't feel yes. like it's designed like a video experience at all. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. The Netflix thing is just abuse. We're, you're used to, to going into the house and the person that you love punching you in the face. And once you once you say I'm done and go to something like HBO Max is easier for me. I don't know. Like I, it, Hulu is even better. Like you said, Hulu is it's weird. It's reasonable. Like they, they, they tweak one or two things every couple months. And I'm like, this is getting better. Like it's better at tracking what I want. And it, the content's better. And it's, it's, it's I'm getting used to being like a Hulu person now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, stop letting Netflix punch you in the face. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but they're it's like crazy. giving us cookies. They're like punching us in the face and then yeah. instantly giving us a choice of like five cookies <laughs> that they know we like. And so we're like, okay, all right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I love you. You want to watch I, this 13 part series about zombies? Come on. It's, it's so weird. Like, I, I couldn't just, I like, I feel like I love the Netflix interface. Like, I, I think it's probably one of my, top two or three of all of them that I use. I, I do think the HBO Max interface is pretty good. I think the app itself is a little buggy. Like it's the buggy. interface hinky, is pretty yeah. nice. Yeah, The, the music just plays is... randomly. Have you had that happen? Mm -hmm. I, that, and I feel like when you switch <laughs> profiles a lot, like I have to sign in and out a lot, which yeah, is like yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, I mean, the Amazon Prime interface is, it's just, it's very basic. And yeah. I think, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of focus on the user experience probably. And the key too is that like Apple and Amazon are the outliers because this is not all they do. And you oh. know, in terms of the way this these companies are broken right. into different smaller companies, you know, yeah. We're talking about these huge things that like this is their primary business function, where you know, uh, Amazon and Apple are a lot different in the way that they probably approach it because the major like the vast majority of their profits and revenue have nothing to do with this, the, the platform of Apple TV plus or of Amazon prime video. You know what I mean? Like it's a part of a service for Amazon and, you know, for Apple, it's, it's, it's an extension of an ecosystem. Like John was kind of saying earlier, but like, so I don't know. It'll, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I feel the Netflix and it's probably because of her, you know, you know, first entrant, you know, like they're kind of, they have that head start. And yeah. people are very used to it, and it's what pe most people tried first, and most people have stuck with. So they benefit from that, and that's kind of what John's describing too. Is like you just figure it out, and you're like, okay, yeah, there's the show I want it, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I the mean, thing I'll I noticed with Netflix is scrolling through 
the options uh, and and but moving fast enough so that it doesn't trigger the little trailer that starts to play on a show. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, you, yeah, it has yeah. just an image, but if you stay on it too long, it starts to play something. And sometimes I don't want the mm. I don't, I don't want, want that the, I don't want the additional feedback think, or or just input of like of like video. You know, I was like, I just want to read the description and think, and then it's like, oh no, here's the scene from it. You know. I think that's a, I think that's a setting you can turn off. Oh, uh, maybe it is. Uh, really, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think told, I think I mentioned this before in the podcast. I, I like stumbled across an article, which is bad that it's yeah. not that clear. Right. But it, I, and I think because I, I was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I turned that off. It does not do that for me." All right. Well, see, also, I, need to, I need to find that uh, <laughs> setting. What about the difference between a scene and a trailer? That's weird. Yeah. Like fifty percent of the things aren't actual trailers for the whatever it is you're looking at it it'll start and it's like i think you need to get yourself together or i'll come back around and punch you in the face and that's it i'm like all this violence what am i supposed to because because i only watch violence on Netflix. (laughs) But, but but i'm saying like it never represents what i'm watching either it's never anything Interesting. I, I sit and watch this stuff constantly because it's like a big thing to me. Like I'm like, this is hard for me to navigate through, and I think it's a type of like how you take in information. I think you need to throw something. Netflix a curveball and like watch like a kids movie or something. You know, like okay. get out of that action algorithm because there's a lot of violence with your Netflix. So or much or punch punch Netflix back and see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I, as long as we're talking about this in, insanely uh, uh, geeky conversation about the interface of these apps, <laughs> I, uh, here's a Netflix thing I find hilarious: is that like they'll have you know uh, four or five different images for a show. And, and there's always one or two that are just completely nonsensical that like don't yeah. reflect the show at all, or it's just a picture of an odd background character or something. I, I always find that funny when you scroll past and you're like, why does this like super intense drama have like this goofy smiling picture of? It's like, oh, that's just because that's like one of the biggest actors in it, and that's the picture right. he chose. But it seems like it's based around like it's totally devoid of context. It's really just based yeah. around hey, click on this. You know, it, we're gonna make this look like this is a thing that that this yeah. that stars this person. When they're barely you know associated with it, so dude, dude, we've talked about this before, but there is like I have to send to you. There's an insanely amazing article from like last year, or maybe it was 2020, where they went deep into this the thumbnail thing that you're talking okay, about. Cool, and like it is mind blowing how their algorithm decides what that thumbnail is. Wow, and that makes sense because it will be someone, like, often someone who's like popular right now, and here's a series they were in a few years ago as a minor exactly. character, and they're, they're and, they're and the here's the key: it's like, did you watch that series a couple yeah. years ago, John? Did you thumbs up it or did you finish the season? Because yeah. if you did, you're going to see that thumbnail, yeah. and I'll never see it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like there are like dozens of thumbnails for these shows or for these movies, and it's all based on like you what genres you mainly watch. Show they'll show you like an action shot or you know a specific person that you watch a lot of their movies on Netflix wow. or series. It's crazy. I, it's just like hey, it's just like porn, Ronald. It's just like okay. porn. I can attest to that because that it's just like porn. <laughs> yeah, no, that, no, because they got the algorithm. Like a part of their algorithm, yeah, I believe it. Is, is, is from the porn industry. Yeah, like that's what yeah, the article is about. The it's the, total. The tall guy from Squid Game. With the suit on that gets them to play the game right in yeah. front of the train. 
it's telling me to watch all of his stuff, including that space show. And it yes. keeps doing it. It's like, you think this guy's handsome. You need to watch him in more stuff. He's very charismatic. Did you know he was in Train to Busan? Did you know he was in this stuff? It's like, oh my exactly. God. Because otherwise, if they threw up like Title X to you and you had no awareness of it, Man. you would scroll right past it. You know, like that's the idea is that like, oh, you saw that dude in Squid Game. Oh, and you also watched right. Train to Busan. So you'll know him if we show you something else he's in and then you'll click it to at least read about it or and see I the have. trailer. It is, it, is, it is mind blowing. It is amazing. It's pretty cool, man. But yeah, I don't know. Not to go too nerdy here. No, it's no. Cool. It's, it's cool, cool and a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's, it it's is. Funny. Super yeah. Creepy. You know what? It's 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 dude. It's or creepy, maybe it's creepy and a little bit cool. Yeah, it's yeah. the, it's the uh, this is where we are right now. So yeah, yeah. Our machines know us. They love us. They want what's <laughs> yeah. best for us. Yes. Mine yes. the other day told me he's. I said consume, 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 and I was like, thank you, machine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that message. So let, let's let's get out of this conversation. Let's talk about some content now that we've been yes. talking about interfaces. Well, it's funny because I mentioned you know we talked about the title you know HBO Max and Hulu two of yeah. the big maybe four that we just discussed, and this week we kind of you know whether we were aware of it or not kind of stumbled across the idea that the new Guillermo del Toro movie is on both platforms yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It was initially supposed to just be on HBO Max, but then apparently they did it on Hulu the same day. So you two watched Nightmare Alley. Yes. What What did you think of it? First thought was too long. That's the first thing I thought. But then I thought Guillermo del Toro is one of the best storytellers of our time. And it doesn't matter what the subject is. He builds a world that's so intricate, so interesting that everything on the screen is worth looking at. And I might miss something if I'm not paying attention close enough that I feel like this ride felt like it was worth it. And then the gut punch of the end, you know, the, the final scene is like devastating to me. I don't mm -hmm. know how you felt about it. Mm -hmm. God, man, it's like when you hear the the, the last words of, of Bradley Cooper in a, in a piece of a conversation that existed prior, it is devastating watching this movie. It's, I loved it, to, to, if I could be completely honest. I thought it was a great movie. Wow. Just too long, too, too long. But it was beautiful. It was well told. Bradley Cooper's some of his best work I've ever seen. Um, the whole cast was just really good. So I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think, John? I mean, I have often sort of, I mean, I've always loved Guillermo del Toro. I think we all have loved him. And I believe on this show once I postulated, and I think the two of you sort of agreed with me that he's like the filmmaker we love the most, whose movies are always pretty good. Somewhat yeah, yeah, yeah. mixed bag sometimes, but like the, the stuff you're talking about, Ronald, the textures, the what's in the frame, the control over mood and atmosphere that he has, uh, and just the attention to detail, it's yeah. awe-inspiring. And it always makes his movies really engrossing. But I've always felt like, you know, with the, with the exception, I mean, I think like The Shape of Water was a, was a pretty solid, uh, like, cinematic experience overall. I enjoyed both uh, Hellboy movies. Really, there's not a Guillermo, there's not a Del Toro film that I haven't enjoyed on some level. I think Crimson right. Peak might be the one that was the most most like of a rough ride for me. But 
I guess I'm just taking the long way around saying I've always loved him, even if I haven't loved his movies, you know, or if I haven't loved the final shape they've taken. Um, right. And and this is the one. This I fucking loved this movie. I think this is my favorite Del Toro movie. Wow. Mm. I almost think easily. It, like when I was thinking about his yeah. other movies today, I was like, wow, this movie really get, got me. It really yeah. got and it Not so much that you can kind of feel what's coming, coming the whole movie. The movie sets it up like it's almost like a biblical situation it's like this person's either going to rise above their nature or they're going to be punished for it and you're going to see that play out you know mm-hmm. um it's, it's like when you're two-thirds into the movie and the, the protagonist hasn't had a redeeming moment and you're like oh this is like a morality fable about a nasty person but it's all about like what are they going to do when the chips are down and we haven't seen right. this guy get called on his shit yet you know Right. Uh, Bradley Cooper's amazing. Richard Jenkins is amazing and scary. Uh, uh, Kate Blanchett is is. I mean, it's a great point for her. Yeah, Kate uh, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Willem Dafoe is is amazing. He has like yeah. kind of a monologue over dinner in one scene that's just one of the most chilling scenes I've ever seen, and it's it's kind of got a dark humor to it. Um, no, I just think this is a really accomplished piece of storytelling and. Uh, I agree with you, Ronald. Like it, it, it does feel a little bit like, oh, at two and a half hours, maybe this is stretched out a little bit. But it's one of those where you start to think, well, what would I move? What would you lose? You'd lose some slow-paced shots or something, or you'd lose some atmospheric moments where the camera's kind of moving through these scenes. I feel like all of those moments add to the movie. So um, I don't know. I, I do think maybe slow-paced is the way I would put it, rather than too long. But I think sometimes slow-paced it gives you time to really enjoy those details. And this is a movie where hints and clues and details are going to tip you off as to what's coming. But the actual story of what's going on is interesting enough that I kind of feel like, oh, the slow pace just gives you more time to kind of soak in this world. I'm sure someone could come up with a two-hour edit that would feel great of this movie, but yeah. but I wouldn't want to be responsible for deciding what, what half hour to lose. Um, and yes, we've kind of said it already, but this is a beautiful movie. This looked incredible on my television. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, it just, I was, I mean, blown away would mean I wasn't kind of expecting to like it. I did think maybe I was really going to dig this one, but I just, you know how you're watching movies sometimes just going, oh, when is something going to happen that's going to turn me off? Or when is it going to hit a false note or do something that takes me out of it? And at yeah. no point did that, that happen. happen. Yeah. Wow. Bradley Cooper is working on a different level. And that's what really blew my mind. Like, I think I, I, I knew he was good. But there's something that he's doing in this where, like, it's it's almost taking a thing that you love about Bradley Cooper and turning it on, turning it on its head, which is like the idea that like tall alpha men in a situation can dominate a, 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 like the whole environment. And what I found, so you know, I, I do stand up and stuff like that, and you guys have done music and still do music. And you've probably been around these charismatic people that are like scary charismatic who, you know, charismatic, we we call it. Yeah, (laughs) we're all all three of us, I'd say, are very charismatic people. And in our element, we can charm people. But imagine if you took that charm and were like, man, I could probably get one hundred thousand dollars out of this person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there are people that that we all know that take those charms and abuse them. And it's 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 a story that just feels so close. If you're in the arts or you've been in the arts, if you've been in um, I even saw it when we worked at Apple, like, you know, you can you can do some really 
interesting things once you have the ear of someone. Right. And seeing Bradley turn that idea upside down, like take an idea. This is a handsome, tall, cool man <laughs> destroying people <laughs> with his charisma. It's by, by doing like an aw shucks thing and then kind of getting under their skin and then yes. and then like learning what's 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 up with them and then using it against them. Yeah. But Ronald, the thing you say about performers, I do think there's some real truth to that because there's a couple moments in this movie where I was feeling there's a character who kind of ends up partnering with Bradley Cooper, who then sees how dark and deep his his like, you know, his manipulations really go. And I'm like, oh wow, that feels so true that you would sort of be attracted to somebody because you see how how smart they are, you know, yeah, and how yeah. and then it would only be a few steps further that you would start to be scared of how smart they are, you know. Yeah especially if you were kind of running a con with them or or in the same circles with, I don't know. And I feel like with performers and artists, there's a certain amount of that where it's like the same thing that draws you to somebody and makes you go, oh, wow, this person is going to be a star, right? Is a few a few degrees hotter. And it's like, oh man, this person is, is a dangerous narcissist who's just going to absorb everyone around him. I mean, not, not to be too, uh, you know, lighthearted about this, but we were talking about this with Cosby last week. It's like a personality can be like totally malignant on one side and the very things that attract you to them make them more make them more powerful in their malignancy you know and it's like you're so you're just like stuck and if you care about that person or if you're in their sway you're like oh fuck who am i dealing with now you know this person is basically the devil <laughs> on, yeah, on some level yeah. um and and you know things that people do to serve that idea that they are good at a thing is just you know it it feeds into that idea john and i think what what i what i witnessed was a character study that i just it felt so personal and it was about like carnies essentially not to be weird, but like it, yeah. it, it, it should have been something that felt so far from my world. But when you're in art spaces, when you're in creative spaces, you see people like this all the time. You see people like that on TV. You see somebody like Trump who, you know, he uses the idea that we're friends, right. You know, right. And manipulates people based on that principle. When you know, that they don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, this guy's and not then, your friend. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 super interesting. So I I would not have thought that Guillermo could have pulled this off the way that he did. And with Bradley Cooper, of all people. I, I never doubted him as an actor. I loved him in um damn near everything I've ever seen him in. I know. I, I mean, I think he's one of those guys so. that like my, my son saw that I was watching this and I was like, I'm going to watch it first before I decide if, you know, if he would be able to handle it. And right. he was like, you know, Bradley Cooper is an underrated actor. And it, yeah, I had to stop and think for a second because I was like, well, here's a guy who's been up for Oscars and has had his name attached to some giant projects. And it's like, yep, he still somehow is underrated. Yes. Like he's still some, like I, I think you see a movie like this. And of course I always talk about the vocal performance as rocket raccoon. Yeah. There's like that to me, that's like the spectrum, the super dramatic work he does, but then what he was able to do for that character in a Marvel movie that didn't even, you didn't even need to cry in the middle of that movie thinking about a raccoon's feelings, but Bradley yeah. Cooper did that. And I remember when, um, I know people are really down on silver linings playbook these days, but I remember when we were talking about that movie, we all, I think, really liked how much he was really, he played this amped up guy with so much empathy and humor and passion. Um, I don't know. I just think he's, I just think he's a much more interesting actor than the sort of pretty boy reputation would indicate. And like, for instance, I think you could put him in a box with someone like uh, Brad Pitt and say like, oh, here's like a good looking guy who people don't realize how good he is. But I think Bradley Cooper actually 
is more diverse of an actor. I think Brad Pitt kind of makes every character into Brad Pitt, and that's fine. He does a great job of it. I think Brad Watch Bradley yourself. Cooper kind of tr- I love him to death. <laughs> hey, I'd say the Watch same thing yourself. about Harrison Ford, you know, and he's one of my favorites. But I'm just saying, Bradley Cooper kind of <laughs> deliberately tries to transform and step outside, and I think play these unflattering character studies sometimes that he can yes. really get into. I don't think he's afraid of of being distasteful. Uh, you know, as a character, not that Brad Pitt yeah. is. I'm just saying that in the Bradley Cooper is he takes these these interesting roles that are like if yeah. you look, at, he's done a certain amount of cheesy looking movies that I don't know if I'll ever watch. But the ones that I've latched onto are some of my favorite movies of that year, or you know, yeah. whatever. So you know, it, another cool thing about it is with with the change that Bradley makes in the movie, it makes you go back to think about some of the events that took place, and you wonder his hand in them. Mm-hmm. That's another cool thing about the movie. Like it, once you see the shift, you're like, there were several things that happened within his proximity. What, what did he do? Right. Or did he do anything to affect any of these things? Did he make any of these things happen? So, you know, it's, it's super interesting the way that this plays out. And it's a movie that, you know, it's, it, again, I don't want to, I'm not insulting it. It felt a little too long for my blood, but I'm definitely 100% going to watch this movie again within the next six months. Um, and the only reason why my wife probably uh, won't watch it is because she'd probably fall asleep on it if we don't watch <laughs> it before a certain time. So if I get her to watch it early. Starting at three, three in the afternoon. <laughs> you got it. That's actually a perfect time. If I get her to watch it on a weekend at like, a, like three o'clock. She'll be able to soak it all in. So I, I think this is, I don't want to use, you know, I feel like I've been using it. I've been throwing this word around willy nilly, but it's, it's, it's up there, man. He's, he's Guillermo del Toro's working on another level with this one. And I suggest that, you know, if you want to see a cautionary tale done right, you know, that, that will keep opening up and opening up and opening up. This one's, this is worth checking out. And if we you should, want to see it in theaters again, it's being yeah. re-released in black and white. So do you have oh, that? Oh, well, I was going to say, it's also a remake of a 1947 film, also called Nightmare Alley. They're both adapted from the same novel. Uh, mm. That's th- th- That uh, original film stars Tyrone Power. I, I read a little about it. The the I remember seeing it years and years ago, but I didn't remember much about the story of this film at all. But I, the ending is is they put a happier spin on the bleak ending. I don't know if that's true to the book or not. Um, but this movie has, like you kind of alluded to it, Ronald, it's got an amazing ending. Like the, it, it knows exactly when to end. But um, even if the ending is a little bit more bleak than the 1947 version, I think it does still feel like it's got like a classic, like craftsmanship. It feels like a classic film. It feels like a, a, it could be a loving tribute to old movies kind of somehow in there as, along with being its own thing. But clearly Del Toro just had fun doing something that wasn't expressly supernatural or genre-fied. You know, this is just a thriller. Um, right. So it's, it's and it kind of feels like an adult movie in that sense. Like it's sort of, you know, there's, if, if you're talking about pre-existing IP and it's a, it's a noir novel from, from, you know, the first half of the 20th century, it's like, well, that's at least a, a different kind of IP than we're used to <laughs> seeing yeah. made into movies. So, um, also super random Guillermo del Toro's in that PlayStation game, Death Stranding. He's really good at it. He's just like a random character. <laughs> Oh, really? So, yeah, he's it's it's he's just in the game for no like 
Couldn't have guessed. I'm like, that looks a lot like Guillermo del Toro. Has his accent. Sounds like him. That's yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Can you think of the one other thing he popped up in as a small acting role that was another funny, odd thing? It's a fantasy thing, isn't it? No, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a television No! What, what was it? Wasn't he one of the McPoyles on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Wasn't there an episode <laughs> where we see the McPoyle family? <laughs> What? I think, I think I think he was a McPoyle uh, relative. I can't remember that's, what his name was. That's pretty funny, man. Wow. But I think it's like I, he was a fan, and somehow it worked out that he could be in it. It was after Charlie. Uh, what's his name? Is it Charlie Day? That's the name of the yeah, name. Charlie okay, I Day. I blend the character's name with the the man's name. But remember, he was in um, Pacific Rim, and so I think yeah. after that, oh. it became known that Del Toro was a big fan of the show. And that's so, so funny. that's probably the reason Charlie Day was in that movie was because Del Toro knew he could, you know, pull off wow. that, you know, like a broad comedy character. But anyway, I just thought I just think that's kind of funny when these. These people pop up, like directors especially, the little cameos they get to do. It says a lot about who they are as people, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Cool. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. I, well, I, I can't wait to see that. I mean, I got to yeah. just carve out some time to check it out. But I also want to see the the next thing that Ron's going to talk about, which also Yes. Tell us about the, the House of Gucci. <laughs> the Gucci. <laughs> the Gucci. Um, Garface. This is what I think about when I see this movie. House of Gucci is a portion of a story that's based on a podcast, if I'm not mistaken, right? A book or a podcast? Or... I think it's a book. Okay. I, I, uh, there may be a podcast, a too. Yeah, yeah. There's, but... a, there's a, a book and then a podcast that got made for it about the Gucci family. And in particular... Um, the son who marries a woman uh, who who's like an aspiring lawyer who marries a woman of working class and a series of unfortunate events occur. <laughs> um, now, yeah, it's the reason I said Scarface is just everything is so heightened in this film from Jared Leto's accent. So he, here's why this is so crazy. Where, where are you on Leto? He's the most polarizing piece of this movie, so I just want to know where you fall. I so I'm also full disclosure. I mean, with this little insider baseball, um, I've also started on the the WeWork uh, show that's on Apple TV that we're hopefully going to cover once it comes out. Um, and he plays the leader of of that organization. Yeah, Adam Newman. Adam Newman. He. Can you commit too much? Is that possible? Is oh, it yeah. possible to commit too much? Yeah, I think especially like, if, it, if it's an actor and you know they're kind of known for that. All, yeah. all, I, all I think of is Tropic Thunder when you say that. Yeah, he's <laughs> over, there's an overcommitment in this movie too. But what it does though is it because it's so heightened. I, I believe that these people have big personalities. That's. But let me give you a comparison. <laughs> Al Pacino is Aldo Gucci in this, right? Yeah. Jared Leto, Pablo Gucci. Yeah. Al Pacino's subtle in this. Do you <laughs> un you un you hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah, you're saying that uh, that, that Jared Leto being next to Al Pacino created a world where Al Pacino could seem subtle. <laughs> <laughs> They're related to like you know Al Pacino is Pablo's uh, Aldo is 
Pablo's Paolo. Uh, this is a man who's known. It doesn't most, matter. It doesn't matter. Al Pacino it, is a man who's known mostly for saying, Hoo-ah! <laughs> a, here's the problem. You won't be able to tell any of their names anyway because of how strange some of the interpretations of the accents are anyway. So that's. I, I just want to know where you fall on Leto. I don't know, man. Yeah, or nay. <laughs> I I can't figure it out. I, he makes me uncomfortable, and I think some of it is because like. So that's probably a nay. No, no, no. Let me tell you what it is. This is something I've never thought of before. You know, how you've been in the space sometimes where you have somebody that's very, very attractive, and because this person's so attractive, nobody's said like, "Man, you you aren't that good at this thing." But because this person's so attractive, they're just kind of like, go do it. You're incredible at this. And I think that he he has like this pretty person syndrome where like, I feel like nobody's ever checked him. <laughs> nobody's ever checked Jared Leto. You think somebody's been like, that, that scene was shit, Jared. Did you not see Fight Club? He's been checked. He's been checked into a pulp before, but oh, but, even, but even already. that, but even that, you're right, is like a beautiful boy getting to play a guy whose face gets all messed up. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I do think there is some of that. I think though the one thing that though I, I I like this pretty person syndrome idea, but isn't it compounded with him in the sense of like method actor or whatever it is that he does? It's yes. like it's pretty person meets like yes. whatever like weird grungy ability yeah. to just do that more than anyone else on set that yeah. he has. You know, yeah. Like, so there is yeah. a certain amount of like that's commitment, but that's that's genuine commitment. But maybe that's where the overcommitment you're talking about comes in. Yeah. Is that like there's nobody around telling him to stop? Everybody, everybody is overacting in this. So that's what you have to understand. But but everybody's here, and Jared Leto is through the roof. And then you have Adam's Adam Driver that's trying to do something a little more nuanced, right? And Jeremy, I come, Jeremy Irons is fucking amazing in everything, right? Yeah. He's trying to do something a little more subtle. Al Pacino is even trying to do something, and then you got Lady Gaga who's doing very over the top, but she's good. That's the thing. There's something about it that kind of evens out to good at, at some point. Like you, you watch a couple like jarring scenes, and then she's like incredible in one scene, and then uh, jarring in a couple of thir- two or three, and then this movie's all over the place. It's all over the place. But I would recommend it. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like you loved it. So it, so like so like where is it in the you know Ridley Scott is an odd director to try to like track his movies but like let's let's remember he's he's made some crazy films that operate on this yeah. almost B movie kitschy level before and that's what yeah. House of Gucci looked to me like it might be doing with the kind of amped up characters and stuff mm-hmm. and I just recently appeared on the Projection Booth podcast talking about the movie The Counselor which we've talked about on this show you should go back and listen to that episode folks um, but like. I, I don't know. I just think there's something about him that he moves so fast that you almost don't notice how many how many weird little subgenres he's worked in. But it does seem yeah. like he can do this kind of amped up drama where he just lets actors like he's an actor friendly director. I think I think he kind of likes to just let actors do what they're going to do. And if you've got like Leto and uh, Gaga and it's like a an amped up 
it's a contest of who can overact the most. Maybe I don't know, but it's like th- this yeah. movie sounds strange. I guess is what I'm saying is it so- every de- every so description strange. of it it sounds like a sort of trashy B movie or something. It does not sound like a big, <laughs> uh, you know, high priced drama from a big studio and a big director. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by that, and I, I would have run. I would have run out and seen it in the theater. There was one night where I was just going to go see a movie, and I was like, I'll find something. There won't be anybody out. But then when I saw that it was like two hours, two and a half hours plus, I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know okay. if I'm that interested in this movie, but maybe you can tell me that it it, it doesn't feel long. <clears throat> it feels very long. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it feels very long. That's the problem. So, like, I, I, you know, I say this sometimes. In this movie is a two-hour-long masterpiece. Mm-hmm. What we have, though, is like a director that didn't know what the, didn't know when to say no for, you know, editing. But like, so I'll say Nightmare Alley. Right. I agree with I agree with John. I don't know if it could have been edited down anymore. Right. Versus House of Gucci. That could have been a two hour movie that we would have thought was like incredible. The thing is, this movie is going to start becoming like a cult classic you can feel because of how heightened everything is yeah jared leto and 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 lady gaga talking to each other in a scene is like (laughs) it's a lot of like a lot of this and so that alone makes this one of those movies that you have to see you have to see to believe it it's beautiful it's a fucking gorgeous movie like one of the best looking movies i've seen in a while just like of scenery of like some of the locations they're just on the mansions that they're in the the gucci stores that they're in how they got the you know how they were allowed to do some of this stuff is nuts but you know it's it's another cautionary tale it's another cautionary tale that's a lot more elaborate um but I love what Adam Driver is doing in it. And I love the relationship between um, Lady Gaga's character and Marisa, Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver. It's just, it was it was really well done. But it, it, it feels like there's a lot of extra footage, but then like transitions that just don't make any sense. Like when when the pivotal event that leads to the violence in the movie happens, there's no lead up. Adam Driver makes the decision to make the decision, and that's it. There's no explanation. There's no backstory. There's no leading up to it. There's nothing to tell you that he feels a particular way about it. I don't know what Ridley Scott was doing <laughs> in the editing bay. But he was probably editing The Last Duel at the same time or something. <laughs> that's the correct know. answer, I yeah. think, yeah. Well, or or prepping sense. or prepping the next whatever that we don't know about, you know. That makes his, sense. His other two releases that come yeah. out this year. G.I. Jane 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this this one's absolutely I shit on it. You, but it's absolutely worth checking out, man. You know it's funny, like and it's and it's like I, I, I actually am very excited to see this movie. Like I, I actually think it's gonna like I'm gonna like it quite a bit mm-hmm. from what I've heard or read, and you know, you, you you describing it there and some other people I know that have seen it. But like it's kind of crazy that I think I remember this correctly, that it's the only adult drama through the whole pandemic to crack $50 million mm-hmm. I think I heard that really? too. Which is a grade of movie or, or a type of movie that is like the probably one of the top two, three types of films that is like on the chopping block 
in terms of these movies are not going to come out in theaters anymore and uh or or some variation of day and date kind of things because this is one that did have a protected theatrical release you know because it is really scott and um and uh comparatively did very well you know Mm -hmm. and oh yeah and now it's you know in its in its it's in its video on demand uh, stage of its release, which I think you, like you said, Ronald, I do think an audience will find this movie. Yeah, and it's kind of odd that of the two movies that he had come out this year, which I thought Last Duel was incredible. Me too. I haven't seen House of Gucci, and you know, but House of Gucci is the one that still is kind of hanging around for awards conversation and for Oscar stuff and things like that that might actually still have traction and get nominations. So it's kind of funny that, you know, of the two, same kind of these adult dramas, different kinds of movies, but it would still both qualify as that kind of movie with like a mid-tier budget, things like that. Um, And that's something about his movies, too. And most of them, not all of them, you know, um, especially the ones that came out in in, in the last year, you know, well, last year, um, you know, not massive, massive budgets, but still adult dramas that just can't find an audience you know last duel completely flops and house of gucci somehow kind of was the best performing adult drama of the of the last two plus or basically the last two years which is wild it's crazy so, yeah we're checking out man I, i'm it's 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 gonna have a place in my heart somehow man. well it's, i mean ca- i think the word i've been looking for here is campy it feels like it's got like a camp a camp value campy. to it and that shit lives on in forever in, in people's hearts if it's got like the star power mixed with the kind of camp value especially on like uh, especially if you start if you're trying to make you know goodfellas or something or you're trying to make yeah. the godfather and you make something kind of campy that's delicious do you know what i mean like that that, yeah. that that's that i don't know people can get into it ironically and seriously but also lady gaga i feel like her audience is already primed to approach like they want her to be kind of grand and overdone i think you yes. know and i think she's going to sort of sense that and possibly even was cast because of her ability to bring some reality to somebody larger than life like that so yeah. um it almost sounds like it shouldn't work her cuz adam driver is such a contained like a a, a a fury keg that's got the lead, yeah. the lid just nailed down on it, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. It sounds, what you're describing sounds very fun to me, you know, especially now that I can watch it at home. I think I could get through that, that runtime much more easily. Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie, man. It, it snuck up on me. We wound up finishing and I was like, I don't know, but I, I liked something about it. I like <laughs> it's so over the top, man. Oh God. So yeah. Cool. House of Gucci. And that's on video on demand. That's what video on demand. Twenty dollars right now on. Cool. Um, it's not gonna be rentable until the twenty first. So you have to buy it at this point uh, on all the major services. But it, it's it's a twenty dollar purchase. But it's 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 Atmos. It's Vi- uh, Adobe Vision. It's it's a gorgeous gorgeous film. You will not regret it. Cool. Yeah. So that that's gonna wrap up the majority of the pod. I know you wanted to yeah. mention one more movie that you watched, right, Ronald? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention um, a kind of. I keep hearing about this movie over and over again. It's a it's a horror film called Censor um, with a uh, actress by the name of uh, Naim uh, Arger, 
Um, she was in uh, Wrath of Man, um, which that was the last thing I saw her in. But it's it's a strange kind of eighties homage, seventies homage, sixties homage to like a very particular type of horror film that psychological thrillers that are kind of like giallo almost Mm -hmm. um it's about a character that is in the 80s she's a she's a film censor who has to process um these films in in london like these very horrible horrible movies with like nudity and snuff porn and stuff like this that she has to basically censor so she gets a piece of film that is legitimately about a slice of her life that she's trying to block out of her head. Like it makes no sense that it's almost the exact same circumstances that the people in it look like her. Uh, It's, it's a strange movie that is stuck in my brain. And, you know, it, 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 I heard about it last year at Sundance. I missed it, but I kept hearing it mentioned over and over and over again. Um, I actually think it's on Hulu right now, if I'm not mistaken. Hulu coming in with the fire. Um, Sensor <laughs> is now on Voodoo, uh, Voodoo, Hulu um, for, for, I mean, I guess under the service for free. So, like, check this movie out. It is disturbing. It is weird. And it, it's a cool commentary on censorship, particularly mm-hmm. that period of time where, like, people are making these snuff films kind of for for shoestring budgets and putting them out and uh you know she has to take in all of this stuff constantly watching people get assaulted watching things get chopped off you know it's it's a cool commentary on on horror and its effects on us but also a, a really cool film that that is about the psychological impact of all that stuff censor no, I'm cool. uh, I'm I'm looking it up right now. It sounds really interesting. So yeah, man. It's, thanks it's, for the heads cool, up on that. Yeah, man. That's it. That's all I got in, in the can uh, for me. What about you guys? Mention real quick. We should probably come back to this when, when maybe when it's uh, maybe I've seen it all. If, if you watch Ronald, but John mentioned Archive eighty one last week, and I did mm. kind of. I'm halfway through that right now. How are you liking it? I want to see it. I'm digging it. I think it's really good so far. Uh, yeah. Or at least very engaging. You know, it's like okay. I'm right. definitely looking into seeing or looking forward to seeing more of it. But another one of these, like, I have no idea what this was. And it's like, <laughs> it's constantly in Netflix's top 10. And it's, right, right. you know, a big thing for them now that they're actually promoting everywhere, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm seeing like ads for it on different things. I heard a podcast with an ad for it the other day. And it's like, wow. Wow. Moving quick. But yeah, it's a pretty cool show uh, on Netflix right now. Um, but yeah, otherwise, just not a lot of not, not a lot of newness on the side. Just kind of the the usuals, the weekly ones I've been watching. But I will watch House of Gucci and Nightmare Alley hopefully by by next week's podcast. <clears throat> cool. Uh, Moviesmovie.com is the website. You can hit us up there and subscribe to the podcast directly on that page from all of our various uh podcast platforms that we are on you know those things also that you can link to the youtube from there and watch this video that you're maybe listening to maybe watching but you can do the next one and then the next one and the next one if you click the subscribe button on the youtube channel and uh 
Yeah, so just do that. And if you subscribe to the podcast, do the audio, yeah, it, that should be like a slogan yeah. or something. Like, <laughs> You're right. It's so fucking, just do that. So <laughs> that's our right. that's our spin on it. Just do that. <laughs> um, if you subscribe to the podcast, the audio podcast on any platform that has reviews, ratings, if you could leave one, we'd really appreciate it. If there's a share button in the app, maybe that you're listening to us on, um, you know, hit that little box with the up arrow icon. You know, that's usually a share icon and maybe send it to a friend or two. Maybe somebody you think that might listen to a show like ours. And uh, we thank you in advance for doing that. But yeah, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about, but it'll be fun and exciting uh, as always. And uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys in a week. And yeah, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Uh-huh.